Welcome to the Grandstand Golf Podcast. This is Kevin Bapti, and I'm joined, as always, by my brothers, Craig. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Adam. Hey, what's going on? So, Stuart Sink has won the Safeway Open, shooting two rounds of 65 on the weekend to win by two. It's Stuart's first win since the 2009 Open Championship, where he famously won in a playoff versus Tom Watson. This was his seventh career win, and he was able to enjoy it with his son Reagan on the bag. So, Craig, just like Jim Herman a few weeks ago, this seems like a breakthrough win for Stuart Sink. How many career victories do you think this will lead to? Well, I think he's really turning his game around. Uh, I think that, I mean, if I was out there, I'd be worried about what he's going to be doing. Uh, no, I mean, it's a bit of a shame, though. I Like, I, there's a bunch of guys I was rooting for out there, and I, you feel bad cheering against a guy like Stuart Sink, but, I mean, a, a win like this for Doc Redman or Sam Burns, like, that'd be so much mean so much for their career trajectories that um it, it's nice to see sink get a win but it, it would it would be a lot different if it was one of those young guys adam were you able to watch some on sunday or were you busy with watching your chargers squeak out a win against the Bengals? what was your yeah, couch time looking like the chargers pull off a very non-charger-esque win usually they they know how to w- the, lose those ones so that was a, kind of a surprise uh, but no, it's kind of interesting. We had the Tour Championship last week. We had two-day off-season. We went into the Safeway Open as the start of the 2020-2021 PGA season. And next week, we're spoiled with the U.S. Open. And then this Sunday, we had NFL kickoff. Thursday, we had Chiefs-Texans. Uh, and then, I mean, a full rundown of games today. I watched probably more golf on Thursday, Friday, which, I mean, I kind of like, too. You get that... Uh, feature group coverage is a little bit more peace so it's a little bit more calming i was finding in the afternoon games especially with it on the west coast that it was a little bit calming calming my nerves through the chargers ups and downs to flip to the uh safeway open a little bit so yeah i caught a little bit here and there a little bit more uh thursday friday but i saw sync come down and yeah it was great to see so i admittedly guys i didn't get the chance to watch too much of this this weekend i was uh i was away camping so i was out of range, couldn't even check the updates. Um, I found it a little hard towards the end there to to keep up with what was happening. Doc Redmond had come and posted early, so yeah, I cool. saw him out in front, but obviously there was other guys with a lot of holes left to play. Um, was that kind of the, the pace of the tournament this week? Is It was a bit of a, a sprint? Yeah, I think it was much lower scoring than we've seen at that course at Silverado before. I think generally the the winning score has been in the low teens maybe and to see a couple or Stuart sink it to the twenties, uh, was pretty impressive. Doc Redman went six birdies to finish his round today, went 10 under and posted, I think 18 under was it? In the yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, super impressive. It was, it was nice. I mean, to have his son on the bag, his wife was kind of walking along, uh, with sink. It was nice to see. I was actually a little surprised that he hadn't won since 2009. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of his name's always there, and because he's been around the game, he's a major winner. It it kind of just kind of lingers there. It, it pops when you're kind of scrolling down the leaderboard, rather than guys that kind of come up from the corn ferry, move back down, come up again. It kind of pops. But do you guys think he'll uh, give his son 10 percent of his winnings? 
I was for, thinking that same thing. <laughs> like, what kind of contract have they drawn up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's his fourth time on the bag. He made he, in his post tournament interview. He made sure to to give him credit and say it wasn't just a as a ceremonial thing. He yeah. was actually giving him legitimate advice and. And he's so, expecting you know, the duties of the caddy. To yeah, be done. I would yeah. say you got to give Reagan his share there. So just a this is a bit of a tangent, but I, I was I know that a lot of these uh, you know top players have have alternative deals than ten percent, where they'll get you know a flat rate for the year and then some other percent as a bonus. Uh, I don't know if you guys are, are super familiar with that, but I, I, I understand. Perfect, yeah. yeah, there's there's different uh, plans in place, but so. You know, Justin Thomas, his his caddy has um, has uh, some sort of health issue that he's not on the bag right now. Right, and he's just been on a like a bit of a cash tear between the FedEx Cup playoffs and, and his yeah with bones on the bag. And so, like, how much of that like is his other caddy still getting a bit of a, a paycheck from these, or is he missing out on all of this, or? Um, like it's a it's an odd situation when you do have those caddy injuries or caddy sicknesses. I was wondering about that with Bones if he was just taking a you know one of these pre-retirement gigs where he can pad their retirement income a little bit. Well, yeah, so, I think there was the right some of those horse, weeks. Sure. Some of those weeks he was going from <laughs> being on the bag in the morning to broadcasting in the afternoon. Like that's not a bad gig. Well, that's wasn't right. he also on uh, Matt Fitzpatrick bag early in the year? Yeah, so then just, you get the opportunity. You get the opportunity with JT. You're like, ah, sorry, I got sorry, game Matt. That came on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're good and all, but JT really great. making progress here. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, other big moments this week. Um, it was I mean, Harry the big Higgs. One that, Harry, Harry Higgs. Higgs is, he's yeah. a character. He's he's something to watch out there. He's he's showing a lot of emotion. He's I saw the highlight of his albatross. That's well, yeah, so I, I heard amazing. I I heard on a broadcast. I think I forget that maybe BMW when he was up in the top ten. Uh, but apparently, his college team calls him Big Beauty, and that's just one of those <laughs> nicknames that's just perfect. Well, he's got the deepest V neck. Yeah, he's in the got the full team. unbuttoned. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw my tweet earlier in the week. I said we need to get Chris Pratt booked for the uh, Harry Higgs biopic. Maybe more like the Park and Rec. Uh, like Chris the early Pratt, Chris but... Pratt, yeah. Early, yeah. But yeah, he hit that albatross. I think it was from 230 out on 18. And he kind of threw up his hands like Gladiator. Like, are you not entertained? Yeah. <laughs> it was um, I actually didn't think... So I had him in a, in a showdown on Friday, which was nice. Uh, but I didn't think he was going to make as much noise in the weekend as he ended up doing. Uh, I, I mean, he was he was the one who was in as close a position of, of winning this as anyone. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see... Like you said, Kevin, like he's an entertaining guy. I'm interested to see if he's has if he's going to be more like a caricature of Harry Higgs or if he's going to be like a really strong golfer that, you know, gets a handful of wins on the PGA Tour. Yeah. How old is he? Do you guys know? He's young. He was a rookie this past year. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's 20. Oh, he's 28. Finishing high like this as a young guy, it, it gives you confidence, you know. So hopefully, oh, he, he doesn't lack confidence. I mean, from everything <laughs> I've seen, him, no, you're right about confidence. that, actually. So that's but good. yeah, he's one of those guys I, I would follow on every social media. Like he's a fun guy to keep track of and to see him pop up. I mean, pop up on TV. You know, kind of something interesting is going to happen. It's almost like a, a feel the thrill type 
uh, excitement with him. So let's give a quick recap of our picks going into the tournament here. Uh, Craig has bragging rights as far as picking the winner. He, he picked Doc Redman, who he didn't win, but he finished T3. So good try, Craig. Yeah. Good try. That's a yeah, well, real good honestly, effort by you. It was until today. And, I mean, he was, he was really not in contention and came out and shot 10 under today to, to have a shot. Do you guys want to touch on your sleepers quick? Because they're probably noteworthy. They both yeah, good I, I sent a tweet out on Saturday because they posted two of the lowest uh, rounds on moving day. Mine was Sahith Thigala, who's a really decorated uh, NCAA golfer. Um, I think this is like his fifth or sixth PGA tournament. And I just so, want to take so a look. Just real quick, say when you say decorated, I mean, essentially, he won every major award. I think then in his senior year, he won kind of the big three uh, awards for top player of the year. So extremely decorated. Uh, he talks about like the feel of the game. He's a big feel player. He likes to shape it both ways. Um, I just kind of, I wanted to take a flyer. It's a first, it's a weaker field, first tournament of the season. I won with him and he was really impressive. Unfortunately, I didn't see many of his shots. Uh, he didn't make the coverage until later, um, but he finished a very nice T14. So I like to see that. Yeah, and my, my sleeper, so, I mean, just to give you an idea, these were deep sleepers. Uh, I think yours was, was he 250 to 1? 250, yeah, and yours and, is and 300. And mine right? is 300 to 1. Yeah. So my, my sleeper was Akshay Batia, and he's a an 18-year-old kid, and he actually, he turned pro, uh, it's almost been a year, I think, since he turned pro. He, he decided instead of going to college, uh, he didn't really want to do the NCAA, he doesn't, he didn't like school. He liked playing golf, so he's going to turn money. pro and grind grind his way up until he can get onto the tour. Um, Is he a sponsor's exemption then? He was a sponsor's exemption this week, yeah. He was tied for ninth. He can go low. He was. He's one of these guys that was, he won, I want to say maybe he's a junior amateur. He might have been the number one ranked amateur golfer when he turned pro, uh, which for someone that young, like usually the number one ranked amateur is a 22-year-old college player. Uh, so, I mean, the kid has game. He's, I want to say he's like 6'2 or 6'3, 130 pounds. So he's he's built like... <laughs> oh, man. He's built Something like, none of us could relate to, eh? He's built like high school Kevin, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so he ended up uh, with a T9 finish. But I think one of the one of the big things to follow with these type of guys, both both the Gala and and uh, Batia, is that essentially they they try to get enough high finishes while they get these sponsors exemptions that they can get um what is it special temporary membership on the right. PGA tour if they if they essentially earn enough FedEx Cup points as I want to say it's like 288 points which was the 125th from the last full season they played in okay. the number of sponsors exemptions they get so really like it it is a fun thing to follow to see whether these guys can do it and kind of skip the whole corn fairy qualifying right. process and every uh, every chance really counts they have to make the most of it then yeah yeah well so yeah both of them both of them were top 15 then. yeah good job i also want um, to highlight our fades i mean this is pretty impressive so we went brian snedeker jordan spieth and sergio garcia and all three missed a cut i mean those are big names, and we, I mean, pretty good. Not so great for Craig, who picked, uh, well, 
Kevin, we'll get you can to make that. sure this. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, top Canadians, we had, unfortunately, Roger Sloan and Graham Gillette missed a cut. Craig, you had Michael, Michael Glick. Glick. Gligich. Gligich. <laughs> did you guys um, see uh, Graham Dillette's one-handed chip? On I did see did that, it? yeah. I know, I did see that. The broadcasters really were just blown away. I, I, yeah, so this is his first tournament back in a while. He, I mean, he's been struggling with injuries for a while. I just wanted to pick him to kind of keep a track through him, hopefully through four days, but he didn't make the cut. But, but yeah, at some point he, he was doing his practice swing, and then he took his left hand off, just did it with the right, and then he put his chip, which was maybe 15 yards, to like 18 inches. Really? It was, it was yeah. And so the other thing the broadcaster said, so it was on, I forget if it was on featured groups or if it was actually on the broadcast on Thursday or Friday, yeah. but apparently there's someone on the Corn Ferry Tour that does this every time they chip. They just did it with one hand. I've never seen that. It's like wow. I've seen the free throws with one hand when the guys are trying to like, figure out their shot but i want to say i've seen it as like a chipping drill but never as something you would do in live you know in tournament how how did he play he, i think he missed the cut but was he was he well back yeah he was he was a ways back he's got i think still 20 or so medical exemptions so kind of similar okay. to what craig was just talking about it'll be interesting to see if he can keep his uh status through kind of his next 20 or so starts okay so the other thing that we this was the first tournament the new the new season so we are trying a one and done this year so each one of us can pick any player in any tournament but you can only pick them once it's it's sort of like a survivor pool in, in nfl mm-hmm. pick them or something like that um so this was the first tournament of this the picks were adam picked cameron davis who finished t36 and, and we're the we're Judging this by prize money. So, whoever so the, the, the points they accumulate is the prize money they've won. So it's very top-heavy. So Cameron Davis was T36, made 29000 this week. Craig, unfortunately, picked Sergio Garcia, who I tried to warn him about to fade. Which is um, interesting because his pick to win was Doc Redman. So I think we need to get into the psyche of Craig here. Well, I also think we need to go back to the show that Adam and I did on uh, Tuesday because I'm pretty sure I said Doc Redman there. <laughs> wow. Well, oh, I might have changed it on Wednesday. So if the offseason is only one day, you would have been fine, but you had to overthink it on the second day. Yeah. And then I picked Kevin Streelman, who finished T3 to earn $322,000. So... The Kevins team up to take an early lead here. Um, and Kevin Streelman was not my winner pick, coincidentally, because I just knew Steady Kev probably wouldn't win, but he was going to be up there. At the yeah, end of the I, I personally still think you guys are overthinking it, picking a winner and a different one-and-done pick. But, I mean, it worked out for you, Kevin. You're up 300 k to my 30 to Craig Zero. So, hey, whatever. It worked for you, We'll see 50 starts from now. I'm, I'm happy with my strategy. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on then, Craig. You're good, bad, and ugly for the week. So uh, I'm just going to change things up a, beer, a bit here from usual. Uh, usually, you know, we look at the tournament. Uh, but this week, obviously, the focus really is, is on the upcoming U.S. Open. Um, so I decided to look at three three guys from the Corn Ferry Tour 
who, I mean, because the U.S. Open isn't running their normal qualifying, the sectional qualifiers and all that because of COVID, uh, they're, they're trying to find ways to get other people into the tournament. And one of the things they're doing is bringing a bunch of guys from the Corn Ferry. I think it's the top five and some people who've won tournaments and whatnot. Right. Uh, but so for the good, we've got Brandon Wu. And I don't know if either of you guys have heard of him, but apparently it was a big deal at the U.S. Open last year uh, because he had qualified as an amateur. And he last year he was graduating from Stanford with an engineering degree and he made the cut at the U.S. Open. And because he made the cut, he was going to miss his convocation. And so one of the uh, USGA board members was a Stanford grad. So when he after he put out on the 18th hole on Sunday, he like did his little graduation ceremony right there on the green, <laughs> That's which pretty is pretty cool. cool. That's awesome. That, that um, kind of brings back flashbacks of Vince Carter, though. I don't know if that does for you guys as well. Yeah, Vince Carter that, in the yeah. playoffs against the 76ers. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he he won the corn fair. He actually didn't have any status as of about a month or two months ago, maybe um, even on the corn fairy tour. But he won. He, he got, essentially worked his way in. He's had six starts on the corn fairy tour. He won the corn fairy championship, which is like the, essentially the tour championship equivalent. Uh, he has he, he had another second. He had three top tens in his six starts. Um, he took this week off, but uh Last year, so he had a start as last year at the U.S. Open as an amateur. He was tied for 35th, which is a pretty darn good finish uh, for yeah, an amateur. Um, so he's the good. Uh, keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for all these guys. Um, yeah. Uh, moving into the bad, and the only reason he's the bad is because uh, they had a Corn Ferry Tour tournament this week, and and he missed the cut. But uh, Davis Riley is the bad, and. The thing, the thing that I, I want to really note about him, so the the other thing about, one of the other ways you can get PGA Tour membership uh, status is by uh, getting three wins on the Corn Ferry Tour uh, within a season. And he has two wins on the season. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm trying to figure out, so they've essentially, they're not graduating any from anyone from the Corn Ferry Tour up to the regular tour this year. But uh, one of the things I'm trying to figure out, so he had two wins and he's had a bunch of shots at trying to get that third win. But I don't know whether they're now calling it a new season or yeah, whether these guys get essentially the the super season and they they have you know this extended period of time to get right. that third win um unfortunately he missed the cut this week as i said um but yeah keep an eye out for him this this week coming up and then the ugly and uh this is actually funny because davis riley who is the bad and the ugly will zalatoris are roommates and oh. for most of the season, they've been number one and number two on the Corn Ferry yeah. Tour. Um, I'm really stretching to call him ugly this week. He uh, wasn't he uh, second in the tournament. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, it's ugly that he didn't win. <laughs> it's ugly that he didn't win. He uh, this he's just dominating the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah. It, it, it's a I'm shame. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It's a shame that they're time. not um, grad graduating anyone because he would be he would have done enough already to get his exemption. Um, he's so I, I I've been looking back at. Uh, Scotty Scheffler from last year because he was great on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, and then I've been looking back at other guys. Uh, Justin Thomas actually 
spent more time, I think it was web.com then, but he, he spent a while there. Basically, Will Zalatoris is blowing them all away in terms of, of how he's playing. He's over 80% in greens and regulation. He's wow. he's number six in total driving, and I, I think he's number one in... Um, number one in dis or maybe sorry maybe he's number one in active chain five in distance or whatever it is it's ridiculous yeah. but um he uh he is going to make noise on the pga tour it's just a matter of uh when and so one of the things so the only reason i'm calling him ugly this week he shot a an eight under 64 and ended up coming up one shot short of winning <laughs> um and the thing that the the thing that makes it ugly is that he had a par five on his last hole like what was he doing but he couldn't find a birdie there um, oh, he parted it oh, he parted oh, it, yeah so um Look out for him this week. Uh, it's going to be entertaining to watch to see if these guys can find a way to get onto the PGA Tour uh, some way, you know, winning winning or getting a high enough finish in something like a major. Um, but, yeah, just a I couple just, of things. I was just going to ask, so there are ways such as in the rare opportunities they do get on the PGA Tour, whether it be a sponsor's exemption or, or you know, qualifying for next week as an example, they can finish high enough that they can potentially get other – opportunities yeah. to play on the PGA Tour? So thing, everything's different this year. Uh, one of the things they've done is because they are not graduating anyone from the Corn Ferry Tour, they are giving them higher status. So in opposite field events, some of these guys are getting higher status than like the low-end uh, PGA Tour players. So. Okay. So then if they, you know, say a Barracuda type tournament where there's a WGC going on, if they go out and get a top five or something, that might be enough that they can get enough points that then in a reshuffle, they somehow um, uh, get on there. But but really, it's they need to do something in these few chances they get uh, to have shots. Uh, otherwise, okay. it'll be until next year and then they'll have to graduate normally. Right. I like that, Craig. Right. I always like when you can uh, give people to like give some golfers for people to be early on. Uh, so they're all playing in the U.S. Open this week, right? They're all, yeah, they're all playing in the U.S. Open so next week. if you had to pick one of the three to kind of make a cut or crack a top 20, who are you going with? So Will, Will Zalatoris, so I know less about Brandon Wu. He seems yeah. like a total gamer. Will Zalatoris, though, uh, like, uh, just like a kind of a class ahead. Yeah. ranks 40th, somewhere around 40th in the world based wow. on all the people that play on Corn Ferry Tour events and on PGA Tour events and or Euro and all these other things. Right. They they correlate between the different tours and they, they rank him based on his performance somewhere around 40th in the world. So the, it's it's just a shame this guy's not out there playing yeah, every no week. Well, so he's, and, and Adam, like you say, I, I've really enjoyed started to, starting to watch some of the guys that aren't, aren't the headliners because yeah. everybody's playing for something. You know, That's where and, the stories are. That's where the great stories exactly, are. Exactly, exactly. These guys that are trying to get on there, trying to get their break, they're the they're the fun ones to follow. When you know, on the cut, cut sweat days, things like that, it really means something to those guys. Also, Justin if Thomas, if he misses the cut, on, eh, it doesn't matter quite so. If much. you're following them on Twitter or Instagram, they usually don't have that many followers. They might even interact with you, like, "Yeah, I played poorly. I missed the cut." Well, the other thing, like they do such a poor job of like the broadcast does, does such a poor job of highlighting that there's the occasional time where like 
you know, after someone has been leading and they fall off and they end up with a second or third and like, well, you know, like at least he gets all these exemptions, blah, blah, blah. But like maybe like let us know about that for the guys that are like, you know, doing all they can to finish in a top five, what that might yeah. mean. The guys that make a put putt on eighteen and then fist pump, and you're like, "Why are you fist pumping? You just finished like T fourteen. It's like, no, that's that's huge. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's move on. Adam, your three stars for this week. Yeah, I'll zip through these pretty quick. Uh, my third star of the week is Harry Higgs. Craig, what was the nickname? The big, the big, big beauty. Beauter. The big, the big beauty. beauty. Uh, another guy to be early on. He's super entertaining. A solo second here. Uh, we talked about his albatross earlier in the week. He had an awesome eagle on Sunday as well, where it was like a low draw from 237 around these trees. I, I don't know if you shot. guys saw it. Yeah. And then ended up trickling up the green to about five feet, and he made the eagle putt. Um, yeah, just a guy that really performed well this week, kind of made all the shots. Be early on him. Harry Higgs is my third star of the week. My second star of the week is Brooke Henderson. Did you guys see any of this coverage? I did, yeah. So she was playing in the ANA Inspiration and major championship on the LPGA Tour. Uh, Brooke Henderson is a young Canadian star. Uh, she already has one major victory. She made birdie on the 72nd hole to qualify for a three-way playoff. Unfortunately, in the playoff, she just missed her birdie putt. I think it trickled a little bit off to the left, and she wasn't able to extend the playoff. But a really strong performance from Brooke. Uh, she could have got her second major victory, but just came up a couple inches, a uh, couple inches wide. And yeah, obviously it's a soft spot because she's Canadian. So and she's Canadian, yeah. That's why we're she's bringing her up and not the winner. <laughs> she's only yeah, exactly. She's only twenty three too. She's been around forever. She's in. She, it feels it seems, like she I would have guessed yeah. she was older than that. She racks up the wins too. She's a great golfer. Yeah. Uh, first star, not the most exciting, but Stuart Sink. Uh, 47-year-old won his, set, uh, what was it, his seventh PGA victory, PGA Tour victory, his first since the 2009 Open. What was really impressive is he only had two bogeys throughout all four rounds through 72 holes. That, that's crazy consistent golf. That um, and that allows him to, I mean, beat guys that might be able to go lower but can't uh, sustain it through four days. Really, I mean, really impressive victory. Stuart Sink is my first star of the week. So I got a question for you guys because, and don't have anything open in front of you to cheat and look this up. Stuart Sink won PGA Tour Rookie of the Year once. What year was that? 1997. Yeah, Kev? 1998. Adam nailed it for his first oh. guess. <laughs> He must have just been looking at his Wikipedia page too. I, okay, I was I was looking at his Wikipedia Wikipedia page a little bit earlier. His uh, I well, I did see his first win came I think in '97, and his the runner-up was Brandel Shambly, who's on the golf network the whole time. So I always like to see like those guys. So Stuart Sink wins his last let's call it his last PGA Tour. Sorry, and Harry Higgs is the runner-up. Oh. But like just Adam's, what Adam's calling it. <laughs> Frankie was his career win total. I didn't hear the final number, but it was up there. there when, more you have, when you have a winning career that spans those many decades, it's interesting. You, you see like the Brad Faxon names pop up, the Brandel Chamblees. It's just interesting to see these career crossovers. Yeah. yeah so I, 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 I didn't peak at the time, but I saw when his first win was. Okay, I got a second one for you then. 
highest ranking? What year was he the highest ranking? He was ranked fifth in the world at one point. I'll, I mean, I'll go 2009 for his open victory, but oh, I feel like was, that's that wrong. Kind of out of nowhere. It was 2000. Yeah. It, it was 2002. Oh, eight. Oh. <laughs> You're so confident. <laughs> well, I needed to be confident. <laughs> he, so he, I think he was his best more in the early 2000s. Like that when he had, a, that's when he had a, a few more of his wins. So it's a reasonable guess. Too bad he was peaking around that time. Around, I figured around 2002, there was like Tiger and then everybody else. <laughs> he maybe could have snuck up there. That was back when getting up to number two in the world was about as good as you could hope for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ernie and Phil held those spots for quite a while back then. All right. I guess VG. I got to throw out VG too. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, as Adam mentioned, the LPGA ANA inspiration was this weekend. I did catch some of the highlights of that. And the first thing that jumped out at me, and I don't know, if I think I know where this is going, is the giant blue wall. Yeah, on 18. it's like a backboard. It's a friggin' backboard. It's okay, the so not not only that, just ever seen. Just set up the course a little bit. It's a par five with water right in front of the green. So well, you're it's hitting not water right in front. It's an it's like an island okay. green. Well, well, it should be it should be <laughs> like an island green, except they built it's like, a it's wall. Like, yeah, it's a total that. island. I thought. Yeah, and oh except they God. built this this. Six foot high or eight foot, whatever it was, wall by, you know, the whole half of one of the green. And it's a par five. So it automatically, all these people that are coming in with like a a long club can just drill it off the side (laughs) of this wall. And so uh, Miriam Lee won. She had three chip-ins on Sunday to win. Wow. Her last chipping came after she drilled one into the wall, got a free drop, and <laughs> chipped one in for eagle. Brooke Henderson, you know, who we're all pulling for, she did the same thing. She drilled one off the wall. It actually, it was coming in so hot that it scooted under the, under the yeah, wall. Yeah, I saw a little bit of this. And yeah. her, her sister, who is her caddy, had to crawl underneath the wall <laughs> to identify her ball so she could get a drop. But it was just ridiculous. I guess... Traditionally, there's grandstands there, but it just, I couldn't believe it. When I was watching it's, the highlights, I'm like, how can you set this? This wall isn't doing anything. It's just, just there. 210 out in the fair where you're like going for two, going for the green and two, you're like 210. You're like, all right, give me my 225 club. I think I'll bang this one. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> hammer it into the wall. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely get over the water short. I'll just yeah. smoke it into that wall and get a free drop. It was absurd. So she said, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just seeing this now. Um, she was saying in her practice rounds, she practiced hitting off of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It was, I could not believe it. Anyways, it, you know, props to Miriam Lee. Three chippins were, yeah, that's crazy. you know. That's, well, and they all play the same course. So they all yeah. play the same course. And, and it was, a, it was a, an impressive chip that she hit um, on the 72nd hole for Eagle to, to get into the playoff because she wasn't actually in the final group. Um, and that Eagle. Uh, Brooke, I, I think the other girl too, I forget her name right now. But I think it was Corda. Uh, yeah, Cor- that's right. Um, I, I'm not sure if they both birdied, but I know Brooke for sure had to birdie to get into I think the actually Brooke birdied and Corda parred. That that might be the playoff now. I might be mixing them up, but yeah. 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 Anyways, it was something that just, it, it's, they need to do something about that. If, if hopefully next year it's back to the, grandstands being allowed but even if it's grandstands maybe make the island green an island you know it's like those old videos you'd see in the 90s like the wacky world of golf in this week (laughs) (laughs) 
and the next player just banks it off the blue wall. <laughs> Anyways, um, moving on, guys. Let's go to our stock up, stock down for the week. Craig, who do you have moving up, and who do you have moving down? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I've just decided to look at uh, guys who are playing this week and going into the U.S. Open. Also, I mean, there's not a ton of guys who are playing in both. Um, but uh, Ches Reevy, Ches Reevy had a great week. He ended up, uh, I want to say he was one of the guys that was tied for uh, three at 18. Yeah, so he was 67, 71, 66, 66. Um, unfortunately, I put him in my showdown lineups when he was 71. But uh, regardless, uh, he's got... So we started doing uh, some U.S. US Open stuff on this weekend, uh, and he's got a game that actually is like well suited for it, just because of how much he plays under control and avoids yeah. getting into trouble in the rough. Uh, he's not long like a lot of these guys are, so uh, this the, he's one of the ones who can take advantage of this when the bombers can't just you know lash it out there and right. and um, play from anywhere. Uh, but yeah, no, he did what he had to do. I, I like his form going into the U.S. Open. Uh, one of the guys that I I, uh, I think both me and Adam, when we were going through the DFS uh, lineups this week, we were both high on was Mark Hubbard. And uh, right, yeah. you know, he came out and he was 68 on, uh, on sorry, Thursday. He's playing this week in the U.S. Open? He is playing in the U.S. Open. Yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, he was 68 and then 73 on his second day to, to miss the cut. And I mean, it's just one round. It, it is what it is. But Mark Hubbard, I feel like he's at that point where he should be these kind of weaker field events. He should be top 10 in them, you know, and you so take advantage. Yeah. Yeah. He, you just uh, I mean, yeah, he missed the cut by two. If he got into the weekend, he probably could have rattle off some good scores but um it would just be nice like he's the kind of guy that you want to see breaking through and getting wins in weeks like this so to see him miss the cut it yeah it's not what you want to see so yeah stock down i love I, I love your i love your stock up craig i think a little teaser for our us open preview but i think the accuracy guys and guys who can get long iron or are very consistent with their long irons which Chez has proven he was third this week in approach and that's that's his game. Uh, so I like him really. I mean, I think he topped 10 at Pebble last year as well in the U.S. Open. Yeah, he has, he has been good recently in the U.S. Open. Pebble. Adam, who do you have moving up this week? Yeah, so moving up. So again, uh, kind of similar to Craig's, I was focusing on the lead into the U.S. Open. And moving up, I have Tommy Fleetwood, who just hasn't been playing well at all since the COVID uh, restart. He hasn't actually got a top 25, which is crazy for a player of his talent. Uh, he's been playing mostly in the U.S. He was hanging out in New York uh, for a while, playing there uh, before he kind of, uh, during the early COVID days, and was able to play on the tour again. Uh, but he went back to the European Tour for the Portugal Masters. He finished T3 there uh, on Sunday, including a 64 final round. I think that's exactly what he needed before the U.S. Open. The other thing, too, is I don't think playing... There's some guys like Chez that are playing on the West Coast and coming over to New York for the U.S. Open. He was in Portugal. He's only five hours away, so it's not a big difference to kind of come over. I don't really know the COVID rules about it. We were talking about it earlier, but uh, I know he's in the U.S. Open field, and this is a really nice kind of tune-up for him before the U.S. Open. Yeah, Tommy Fleetwood's proven that he has a game for the U.S. Open, too. I think it was shinnecock that he fired a final round 63 and snuck up there into and almost stole it it was a t t2 or t3 i think he ended up with i think maybe maybe I, not 
which is, I think, tying the U.S. Open scoring record, right? Single-day scoring yeah. record. Yeah. yeah. I don't see that on a Sunday this year, by the way. Small, yeah, small teaser there. <laughs> on any day, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, moving down, I have Eric Van Royen, uh, EVR, as I like to call him. He's another of these European tour guys that's been playing uh, in the States for a while. Again, since the tour restart, he's missed four of five cuts. And even when he has made the cut, he hasn't really been in contention. He's, he's, uh, I think you guys have seen him a few times playing. He's kind of famous for his jumper pants. And oh, yeah. I love the his... pants. I love the pants. I knew so, you'd love I... those pants. <laughs> I remember him from the WGC in Mexico there. He, yeah. was, he was up at the top there. So Listen, was... I, so my wife got me some of those just as like sweatpants. I have to say, I, I thought they were ridiculous before I wear them. They're my, I, I now have two pairs. They're my favorite sweats by far. Have you worn them golfing yet? Well, no, but I would get nicer ones if I was more golfing. <laughs> so, yeah, and I would stylist. totally wear them golfing. <laughs> he's a stylish dude, and he's he's got a lot of skill. And I think he was trying to kind of make some moves on the PGA Tour after coming over from the European Tour. Well, I think um, he's moved. I think he's planning to play the full season here. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, set up residence, I think, in Florida, as most of them do. And he was on my uh, shortlist for this week the Safeway Open and again for the US Open but I think I got oh where I was going with the jumper pants so I flip on the coverage on Friday and he's the group ahead of the featured group so we're kind of seeing those guys go off and he's not wearing them well maybe they're like a Sunday special something I don't know I've seen him play quite a few times that's kind of his thing they were shorter but they weren't tighter on the ankle so I think I don't know maybe he's he's got different styles like definitely you know temperature dependent I'm surprised he's not one of your favorites, Craig. He's making it as acceptable to wear those pants golfing. You gotta I picked him. I, I, like that. I've yeah, looked he, up where he gets his clothing sponsors from. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So, since I since I wasn't able to watch the stock or watch the tournament this week, my stock up sucked down. My stock up is just gonna be Sunday sports. Yeah. And my stock down is gonna be being out of reception during Sunday sports. <laughs> so I That's I was out of reception starting Friday afternoon and I did not get back till Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And let me tell you, there's so much to catch up on. I was almost overwhelmed between NFL opening weekend, between my F1 racing that I'm now into golf. It was, Net- it was too much. Drive I could- to survive if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Yeah, that was drive to survive. Get on it. Spoilers uh, ahead. Nice to see. Nice to see Albon get a, get a podium. Hey, totally uh, awesome. I was pumped. Hey man, that. I'm like, I'm on season one, episode three. Give me a break. You don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it's great to see after after you know the the sports break during COVID and how odd that felt to not have anything to kind of distract us from the everyday. Yeah. Um, it's very nice to have all of these these sports on TV now, and I will tell you that that is going to be my last Sunday for some time that I'm out of reception during the the meat of the schedule. So now the Vikings can go 15 and one now that you're back to yeah, watch their games. You know, it, it didn't really matter. It wasn't a big deal. The Packers is not even a, a divisional game, game against the Packers. <laughs> no big deal. Well, guys, let's. Why don't we move on and start talking about next week? Because that's what we all want to do, anyways. Wingfoot. It's going to be fantastic. As Craig and Adam both alluded to, we've we've started diving into uh, the course a little bit. Who we think is going to fit the course. Um, what do you guys want to say off the bat, Adam? I'll start with you. Anything that that you just want to get out there right away. Well, 
Yeah, there's a couple of news items that dropped this week that I think we just need to kind of establish. So Brooks Kepka withdraws. He's still not healthy. I think that took everyone in the golfing world surprised. I don't know if he's been uh, kind of in a hole somewhere, but I don't think anybody knew this was coming. We knew he dropped out of the, uh, was it the Wyndham or the, he, he didn't play in the playoffs at all. Thank you. Um, yeah. And he, uh, he was just kind of planned for us open. I mean, two time winner, two of the last three years, he was still going to be a betting favorite for the most part. I mean, at least the top five betting favorite and he withdrew. He's still not healthy. Uh, very interesting there. And then one that just dropped, I think this afternoon is Scotty Scheffler. Uh, like Craig kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast, Corn Ferry graduate this year, maybe rookie of the year on the PGA tour, really in form, talented player, tested positive for COVID-19 asymptomatic, um, which is good to hear. You don't want to hear someone's kind of really battling something. So at least that's positive. Now, I guess the one thing I haven't read any of these reports yet, uh, do we know whether it was like, is it a single test positive? Could he still get a couple of negatives in play or has it been like he's tested positive or tested positive a couple of times and he's definitely so missing? Or do it, we came know that? From the, it came through from the USGA Twitter account. So obviously they're kind of uh, channeling the news or controlling the news and terms of their championship tournament uh so i don't know anything further to be honest you would think they would wait for the confirm before yeah. announcing that publicly like you get the negative okay like come in get tested again right and then once right. we've confirmed it so that you don't then have to essentially pull it back afterwards yeah so that yeah that that was surprising to everybody i think you know i was to be honest i was a little less surprised about brooks than it sounds like you were um, he, he, of course it's, it's a little bit surprising to hear him pulling from a major championship, but yeah, it, the writing's on the wall that something's been going on with him. Um, for sure. Absolutely. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think even, it was North Northern trust that he pulled out of yeah, the first, right. the first right. playoff event. I think Wyndham was the one he missed the cut at. W- no, Wyndham. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. trying to collect more points. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah, Scotty Scheffler, that was a shocker. And he's, his game has been in great shape. So it's, yeah. it, that, trending you know, it's up. a missed, yeah, trending up bit of a missed opportunity, unfortunately for him with, with his game in such good shape. Um, but these guys are headed to winged foot. Let's talk about we're, winged foot for a little bit yeah. here. Winged Tell foot me what, is, what you know, so, so we had, we're in New York from what I know, we've got some dog legs. It's hosted a couple us opens, very undulating greens, what do you guys five, know about Winfoot? Five previous US Opens, as well as a PGA Championship uh, that Davis Love won in 97. Um, it is a beast, to yeah. put it mildly. It is over 7,400 yards, I believe, par 71. Um, they are saying that there's going to be tiered rough, with the first cut being about three and a half inches. The second cut is going to be five plus. I really like that. I really like that because I think I think when you see someone hit a good drive and it you know it gets through the like you know fairway and then maybe there's the the, the little tiny bit cut. of intermediate and then it goes into the because they have this crazy rough at the U.S. Open and then it yeah. just like goes a yard into that stuff and it's just as bad as someone that sprayed it like 50 yards. I hate that. So yeah. I really like the tiered rough approach. So if you have a lot of golf followers on Twitter and Instagram, you know it's U.S. Open week when you get you start getting the ball drop videos, and I've gotten a view of those yeah, already from Wingfoot. That's right. And you also got this picture from like just about blade level about one of the golf reporters, and you couldn't see the shoes she's wearing at all. 
Like this really? stuff is deep and it's thick. It's yeah. thick. They've been fertilizing that rock. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, we've talked about it a little bit, but the course has undergone a restoration leading up to this. So in right. 2016, it, it started to undergo this restoration. And as part of this, they they redid the greens to the original specs. They added irrigation and drainage. And the, the big thing about that is that they're now able to control the course conditions better regardless of the weather conditions. Right. So right. I imagine that they're going to want these greens and fairways playing dry and fast, and they're going to have a better opportunity to do so now that the course has been restored. So if they have thick, rough, and dry, fast fairways and gnarly, nasty, undulating green complexes. And yeah. these greens, like I, I watched a little bit of a drone video uh, of a flyover. I didn't watch all the way through the whole thing, but just some of them, like they're, some of these greens are monster, like super old school looking greens. Like it's going to be pretty cool. I think it, I'm, I'm so excited for it. So, and when everybody hears Wingfoot, I mean, what's your first thought? Well, I'm I read a quote today. <laughs> yeah, I'm such. A, yeah, we can go into that. But the, I read one quote just quickly on the greens. Um, I think it was. I'm trying to pull up the article right now, but it was Jack's first U.S. Open at Wingfoot, and his first putt on the first hole, he blew past 30 feet past the hole. <laughs> and then the other, the other report I heard is from a, a PGA Tour pro. I can't remember the name from back in the day. Probably the last U.S. Open that said. Uh, you can see the bottoms of the cups from the fairway because they so slope so severely from back to front. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I went back and watched some of the 2006 us open, which is the last one they had there and coming down the stretch on Sunday, the guys were around plus three plus four and they were fighting. They were yeah. fighting every step of the way and it's not going to be any easier than it was then. So I would, I mean, if you get somebody like DJ who just catches a heater like he has over the last few weeks, who knows? But I also wouldn't be surprised to see a score in the plus five to plus eight range win. That's how hard I think it's going to be. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we've had two of the last three, uh, Pebble and Aaron Hills, were, you know, minus 13 and minus 15, two of the last three U.S. Opens. Yeah. And I think, like, I don't think that's what the USGA wants. And so, like, I think it's going to be a bit of a, like, it's going to be a bit of a statement, like, that's not what the US Open is. Um, We want to get back to... I don't think they want plus seven or plus eight as a winning. I think the sweet spot is zero to five. That's But I think this will be carnage. I I think it depends on how you get to plus eight. Like, I think they don't want to lose, they don't want to lose greens. They don't want to, like, they still want it so the, that the people who play the best golf win. But I I don't think, I mean, if if people are, are missing putts and, and everything's done up in a, in a fair way and everything, I think they'll be fine with a, a plus six, seven. And listen, once a year we get the U.S. Open and we get to watch <laughs> these guys struggle yeah. And it's the one time that we see them look human and miss sh- like, you For know, sure. in, from a greenside chip, they run it all the way across the green. And we sit there and we feel a little bit of better about ourselves that I, I can make that <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I also think that with these guys... Uh, They've been getting better equipment and technology for so long that 
I mean, these the U.S. Opens, if you look back at the ones that have been held here in the past, they are plus, you know, 1929, plus 6, 1959, plus 2, uh, 74, plus 7. Like, that's what they were getting. So why can't the, like, what's wrong with these golfers shooting those kind of scores? I also love courses that stand the test of time. I think... That's one thing that everyone loves about Augusta is you can still kind of get the same winning scores that you got in the early 20s, 30s. I don't think you can put... I'm trying to look up here. Well, Bobby Jones won in 1929. I guess he could hold he could hold his own against today's group, but I don't know if the, the winning scorers back in those days could hold up against today's group of players. Well, I mean, it's totally... It's just a different... It's like any other sport. Uh, how is... Uh, how is... Jim Brown going to do in the NFL today. I think Jim Brown would be pretty good. Uh, he would be a different player because he would have come up through the system today. And Bobby Jones would be a different golfer if he came up through the system. Oh, today. absolutely. Uh, so it's generations. Yeah. No. So do you guys have any early picks that you're looking at or Adam, you're so, saying that some of the guys you think that have a better shot are guys that are accurate and can hit their long irons. Well, well, if the fairways are running out and it's that quick, so driving this, and I've heard there's kind of a lot of dog legs you need to be on the right side of the, so not even hit the fairway, you need to be on the right side of the fairway to approach the green, depending where the flag is on the green. So I think accuracy is going to be huge. I think when everyone thinks about US Opens, they think bombers. You got Gary Willen, you got Dustin Johnson, you got Brooks Kepka. That's kind of like the tradition of the last five years of who does well here. I think it's going to be a little bit more strategic than that. And I'm looking at accuracy. I'm also looking at scrambling for sure, how people are doing around the greens, because I think there's going to be a lot of run through the greens or missing the greens happening go up and down and save par. And saving par a lot of time will feel like a birdie. So that's kind of where my research has led me early on in the week. So then when you look at the top three players in the world right now, and Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, and... Uh, JT. JT. Um, yeah. all those guys have all those things. Uh, they, uh, what, what are you, are you trying to extract my pick from me early on here? I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> if you want to know, John, just, I, 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 mine's pretty much locked in, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you who it is. Yeah. I mean, as, Rob's a one, win the as the one and done front runner, I need to make sure I pick wisely of these top three, but number two is a surprise as between two guys, between JT and Xander, Xander's going to come second. It's going to be Rom and Xander down the stretch on Sunday. Wow. Those are guys who not only – they just – they're very clean across the board. They're good at putting. They're good around the greens. They actually are fairly accurate. Then, I mean, for bombers, they're at least in the top 100 for dri- driving accuracy. A lot of these guys like DJ, uh, uh, Bryce, and yeah, they're like 150, 175 in driving accuracy. And it just matters if they get a good week or not. Uh, so it's going to be Rom and Xander for me. I think one of the big things with the U.S. Open too is you need somebody who's resilient. Well, I don't, who, who can yeah. take those mental flows <laughs> because it will happen. It will happen at the U.S. Open. You're going to have some frustration, and and U.S. Open U.S. Open champions can deal with that. I can tell Craig's doing on something here, so I want him to jump in. <laughs> so I was just going to say, I. 
I've been doing a, a bunch of trying to break down what are the more predictive stats at U.S. Opens. And I mean, the the problem with a lot of these things, you know, a lot of these places we go where we have tournaments there every year, you can really start to build a good course fit. Uh, but because with these these big courses that we go to last time we were here was 2006, uh, there's just less ability to be able to see what kind of golfer does the best there. Um, I So I don't know what it's going to come out at in terms of a pick, but I agree with Adam in terms of scrambling. Uh, at the 2006 Open, that was the most predictive stat, was people who were able to gain strokes around the green. Um, and for in terms of, of typical U.S. Opens, that... Uh, it, it, there still is a pretty good correlation with off the tee and approach, which you see every every tour event. Right. Um, but around the green and putting are higher than they normally are. So those the, that short game becomes more important in these ones where you're gonna hit, you're gonna get into trouble on holes, and you have to scramble and make pars. Um, I so early on, I don't know who's gonna end up being my picks. JT came out as the number one course fit. Uh, I like I like JT. I think I I did pull up some. Uh, so everyone's everyone's very high on DJ and and uh, John Rom's recent form uh, because it's been Hard it's been so be. it's been so splashy over the last month. Uh, but since the restart, Justin Thomas and DJ have been in nine tournaments together, uh, four four and one. So they're they're square. Okay. Uh, JT many, and John, sorry. How many wins does JT have though? Uh, one and a playoff loss, which is the exact same as DJ. I mean, unless you're counting. So I oh. am essentially counting. Oh, you're you're taking away go. his tour championship. I'm like the official Let's world golf rankings. I'm counting. I'm counting <laughs> the low 72 hole gross, um, which him and DJ tied in. So that's their one tie. It was last week at the tour championship. Um, yeah. So Rom, JT, five and five, ten events they've both played. The the only person, well, there may be other people, but of the top people that I looked at, the only person he has a losing record against is is actually Daniel Berger, who, as everyone knows, has been super hot since yeah. since the restart. Um, so early on, of like the top top dogs, I like JT, but uh, Xander also flashed. He's he is. He gets a value bump based on everything I've looked at, and then based another. On, sorry, based on last week's podcast, we're all we're all on the same page when we talk about Xander's game being major championship caliber. Ready. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. This so might be the week. Everyone, everyone, continues stack in there. Yeah. Um, Webb Simpson also is someone to look out for. He does. He has yeah. better better than. Um, Here we go. <laughs> He's got good form in U.S. Opens. Um, his game is well suited to it. Uh, and then one last guy. Oh, you're gonna hate me if I bring him up. But now I'll skip him and I'll, I'll say <laughs> no, Hide- Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki Matsuyama. It, oh no, this is not the one you want. You're gonna hate. Uh, oh, Hideki Matsuyama. He, his game, his talent level is absurd. He just it's not translating to results enough. But his last three U.S. Opens, which um, you know, I did a little research there, and there is some pretty good uh, correlation in past U.S. Open success in in terms of how people are gonna do. And he was 
T2, T16, T21, uh, which is is much better than he's sort of being accounted for uh, in you know by sports books and by, and by DraftKings and FanDuel and whatnot. The one that you don't want to hear is Patrick Reed. <laughs> oh no, he yeah he bought for me that. as well. So Patrick Reed, I, I, it's I'm normally I don't like picking Patrick Reed, but he he his game does actually suit this course pretty he'll, well. He'll relish this. He'll love no. it. He'll be a bloodbath and he'll love it. Well, yeah. it, he'd probably love it even more if there's fans there booing him on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one guy that I feel like Kevin is itching to bring up is uh, the big cat himself. So I just wanted to, because he didn't he didn't show up at all in the 2006 US Open. So I just wanted to go through one kind that of stat. Mis, that was a missed cut. That was I, I believe that was shortly after his dad passed away. That's that's exactly right. I'm going to go through the major tournaments each year or for 2005. He was first, second, first, T4. Then in 2006, he was T3, miscut at Wingfoot when his father passed away. First, first, T2, T2. That's unbelievable. I was going to say, so what's the takeaway? Tiger Woods is really good at golf. <laughs> really good at golf. And if you're, you're just trying to put me he... in a good mood, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you buttering me up for here? <laughs> yeah, listen, I... Tiger, once upon a time, this would be absolutely a, a perfect fit for him. I don't know right now if his game's sharp enough, both with his accuracy and his scrambling. Um, I mean, he's Tiger, so I'm not counting him out either. But his uh, his play around the greens hasn't been as sharp as it probably needs to be, especially considering how good a lot of the top players are playing right now. Yeah. Um, but again, that said, Tiger can catch lightning in a bottle any any given week. So well, the something thing that I think Craig will like to hear is that I think the week of the Wyndham Championship before they're leading to the playoffs, uh, Tiger and JT took a little trip to New York to play Wingfoot a couple of times, and that might help JT uh, down the stretch on Sunday. Who knows? It'll probably help Tiger a bit. Maybe you'll <laughs> give him some tips. Um, no, the, the one thing I was going to say, like – I, I think we spoke about this before, but I just really struggled to see the U.S. Open as a place Tiger's going to win majors. Um, I, I think he's the ultimate grinder, and and he, so you don't put it past him to play well in tough tournaments. I just mean from a physicality point of view, I think that r- the reality is you're going to have to gash it out of long, thick rough, and I just don't know if he has the ability to do that. 10 or 20 times and then still have soft touch. Like he, he has yeah. a bad back and it's yeah. just the reality of it a little bit. I think that Augusta is always going to be his best chance at, at winning majors. Um, and, and I don't know about um, the U S open as, as yeah, his best style of course these days. I think that's probably accurate. And also just how well he knows Augusta, maybe an open championship too, where he can play. The thing is, is, is Tiger's, golf iq is just off the charts and you talk about being on the right side of dog legs like he's in in anecdotes from people who have played with him they say it's just unbelievable that he's always on the right side of the flag or always on the right side of the fairway um it's just you know it's not quite as sharp as it once was in those in those runs that adam just rattled off there but those were the those were the years where i think he was playing his absolute best like even better than 2000 2001 2002 he was playing he was 
untouchable. I think he had a couple runs there where he was he ran, you know, seven in a row off and things like that. Um, so that yeah. reminds me of a of a broadcast clip. I don't know if it's famous or not, but it like it is ingrained in my mind. It was back in the day, probably a couple of decades ago now. But you know, on every course or most courses, you have the stripes up and down the ferry from the motor, right? Yeah. And he hit a he hit a tee shot, and I think it was right down the middle. He's like, God damn it, Tiger, and slammed his driver. And the guys in the booth were like, like, Ferdy, any idea what's going on there? Like, I think he was aiming for a white stripe and hit a dark one there. I don't know. <laughs> but he was like, his his measurement of success was just like yards or inches off. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, so I just I one. I just have a real hard time saying that that was his best golf because. Um, no, I. It was just a time when his presence on the course. It, he was. It looked like he was going to win every single time he played. He was more dominant early. Yeah, he was definitely those. more dominant. I want to say dominant. I want to say ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. But that's because, because he came out, and these guys just did not. They didn't have a chance. He was. He was young, and he had skills they no one else possessed. And then they kind of some guys came up that were kind of more following in his footsteps a little bit, but they couldn't touch him. What's frustrating I, when so, you look so at just, Tiger just to, on the same thing that Adam was was saying, um, Tiger had laser eye surgery apparently in '99, and partway through the year he won eight tournaments in <laughs> about eleven starts the rest of that year, and then that 2000, the start of the 2000 year was when he went like he won ten tournaments in 2000 and. Uh, four seconds and two so he started 22 tournaments 16 times he was in the top three of of the field so um Crazy. yeah like far and away i think that's the most dominant period of time anyways i, I don't know if we need to rehash how good tiger was. <laughs> we can keep talking guys we can always talk about tiger if you want to go okay, down, okay, let's move on any any final thoughts on u.s open or yes i'd like to general? throw one other name just because because we haven't talked about him yet is what do you guys think about tony fino Love it. Love him. Top Thank five. Two to, two to five. <laughs> <laughs> Top two no, to five. I said for a while on the podcast. He's saying he's not going to win, just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the curse of the per- Puerto Rico, right? Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican open curse. That's right. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I don't know. It's going to, the breakthrough is going to come for, for Tony. And I, I wouldn't be, he has the game to, he's not quite as sharp with a short game as, as the top three in the world right now. But um, he has the game that he can, he, you know, he might not need to be because he's he's in the in it. the greens more. So yeah. or on the greens yeah, I also think he's a much better approach pay, player than people give him credit for. People yeah, think for sure. he's the bomber, and I think he he has a much better um, touch into greens, which is going to be agree. important this week. And I don't. I don't know much about his major history. So that's the one thing that like, I I think he's well suited for it. Um, Like top tens. He's got quite a lot of top tens, right? Mm -hmm. At majors. Um, I mean, I'd love to see, I'd love to see him do well this week. Okay. Well, unless you guys have anybody else you'd like to talk about leading up to the U S open or anything else about the U S open. I think that just about wraps us for this week. Yeah, no, I think that uh, look out for some content from Adam and I. We'll do full breakdowns of the field and especially some of our sleepers and picks. So uh, we'll get we'll get into names a lot more in those uh, yeah. if you're interested. 
I think the plan is to try to put out another podcast sometime this week as well. So we'll watch for that. Um, guys, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Bapti. You can find us on Twitter at Grandstand Golf. And as Craig mentioned, uh, please follow us there. We push everything out. And please follow us on Twitch and YouTube because we will be doing a few fun and interesting things with this being a U.S. Open week. Craig? Yeah, uh, I'm at Grandstand Craig on Twitter. Uh, follow me there. As well, there's a, a subreddit set up, our Grandstand Golf. Uh, we'll put everything out on there as well. So, um, yeah, check it out. And you can find me at Grandstand Kevin on Twitter. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and come back and join us in the Grandstands next time. Take care. See you, everybody. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>